This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown Kelly's frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome all to another edition of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you, well, we've got a fan favorite and a not-so-favorite heading off to Philadelphia. Uh, talking about some roster cuts and uh, some players that are starting to get added back to the practice squad. And also, we learned of a person also going on injured reserve. Jeff, the action never seems to stop around this squad. But yeah, we're going to get into a lot of the CJ Gardner-Johnson trade, a lot of my takes about it specifically, at least I think, because I have some strong feelings (laughs) about how all of that went down. We can get into some of that. You know, people have been going pretty hard on Twitter. Um, But then we're also just going to kind of react to what actually happened in the 53-man roster, some surprises that, you know, might have, Caught us off guard. I think I was pretty on point with most of my picks. Linebacker really just threw me completely for a loop, which I, you know, I said going in was the position I felt least confident about. So at least, at least I have that. But yeah, so let's just kind of set up what happened here, which is CJ Gardner Johnson early Tuesday morning was sent to Philadelphia. CJ Gardner Johnson and a 2025 seventh round pick was traded in exchange for a 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 sixth-round pick. Now, that doesn't scream uh, <laughs> top top-end return uh, to me. So I think what you're seeing there is the Saints had to trade him. 
They knew that they could not hold on to him. They didn't trust that he was going to be a good sport about not getting his contract and not be a, an issue in the locker room. And as we know, CJ, he's a vocal guy. He's not a guy who's going to just sit there and be quiet, you know? So you understand why a team might be like, yeah, we can't, we can't deal with this and move on. But it's aggravating to me because the issue with CJ wasn't that, you know, a salary cap thing. I saw a few people coming back and saying it was a salary cap thing. This wasn't a salary cap thing. This was a, a just fundamental, like, roster building thing where the Saints don't feel like the value is there at slot corner to pay at the top of the cornerback market. And you knew that going in. So why was it allowed to get to this point? Why didn't you, why didn't you handle this at the beginning of camp, at which point the organization knew that it wasn't going to pay CJ what he, what he wanted? So why did we get all the way through camp and then at the end of camp when all of your leverage is gone and the, all the teams that you're going to be potentially trading with know that you have no bargaining power, then all of a sudden you're just giving them away for peanuts, right? That's what bothers me the most. It was just poor planning. And I, I'm usually a, a fan of how this front office operates and how they, they kind of build out their long-term strategy in terms of the salary cap, in terms of the roster. This, I think, is an example of them tripping over their own feet. And, you know, the, and, the, and the Eagles were the ones that benefited from this. And what's funny is there was no other team, especially somebody in the AFC that you could have done a deal with. Like there wasn't this big return, obviously, that we saw. Uh, we didn't hear from C.J. Gardner-Johnson at all during training camp, only during it was either OTAs or minicamp where he went on his rant on how he was the top corner in the NFL. And we knew then right then he was sending that message of, I am looking to get paid. And the saints weren't willing to do that. Although I don't think the saints are willing to pay any safety. If you look at all the guys that have gone out the door with Malcolm Jenkins, even after a rookie, his rookie contract was up. He left Kenny Vaccaro, Von Bell, the, the list, I guess could go on with, with safeties. They don't seem to be willing to pony up for that, but with CJ Gardner, Johnson, you got the sense that it was going to be a locker room issue and they were kind of forced their hand on having to do something now. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think it was an issue of like, okay, we can't afford to pay this guy. They could have figured it out if they, if they felt like it was, sure, it was, right. it made sense to do, but you know, like the salary cap is not in dire straits to the point that you couldn't have found a way to pay this guy nine to $12 million. The issue was, they don't feel like slot corner, specifically slot corner, is merits that type of payday. And we're going to see this come through again in next summer when we find out that they don't feel like kick returner is merits a top end payday because they feel like they can replace that position, right? And the fact is you had Bradley Roby just kind of waiting in the wings. And, you know, that was the trade you made at the beginning of last season that felt like a necessity that all of a sudden didn't feel like a necessity by the end because Paul Sodebo played so well. But now you, you have that guy under contract and he makes sense to throw into the slot along with the PJ Williams, maybe Alante Taylor. And again, my issue was not so much that you traded CJ. It was the fact that you wasted reps all training camp. You should have been able to plan for this. Like, I get that things happen that are outside of your control as an organization, but this should have been predictable, right? We should have been able to see this coming that if you're not going to give him that contract, he's not going to be a good sport about it. And, and I don't know how many ways he could have possibly told us other than the way he told us. Um, 
He feels like he's the top slot corner in the NFL and he deserves to be paid that way. And keep in mind, this is a unique situation because he's a fourth round pick. He's not a first round pick. He's not a second round pick, even a third round pick. He's a fourth round pick. So he's played his first three years on what he, I'm sure, feels is an incredibly sub-market deal, even by standards of a mid-round pick. I mean, he's basically netted like three and a half million dollars over the course of his first three years in the NFL, which, you know, sure, it sounds like a lot to the average person, the average late person, not to the average starting nickel corner in the NFL, right? So, like, if I'm CJ, I'm like, man, you have gotten my services at a steep discount for three years, and now you won't even pay me? And I get it. I get it. But why didn't the Saints get this early on? Because if you're trading, you made a major trade with the Eagles in the offseason. I was going to say that the the Saints kind of did get it with the drafting of Elante Taylor in the second round. but Right. They They drafted his replacement. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, you made a deal with the Eagles early in the offseason where you gave up a good amount to get an extra first-round pick. If you work CJ into that trade, you tell me you couldn't work CJ into that trade then and maybe massage some more assets or maybe limit what you had to send back? No, it was just poor planning. It was the team thinking that they could find a way and they didn't. And, you know, and it's frustrating. And I tweeted this. The issue to me is not the trade. The issue is there's no like redeeming quality to this trade. There is no silver lining. The team is worse today than it was on Monday. Right. And I tweeted that and people seem to think I was saying this is a bad defense. Now I'm not saying it's a bad defense. I'm just saying the defense, whatever, whatever you would rate the defense as, whatever number you would put on it in terms of quality, whatever the Madden rating might be, right? Sure. On Monday, it was here. And today it is below that. I don't know how far below that. And that's the question is how much does this impact your defense? You did not get better. And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse in my opinion. The one thing I guess you could say, maybe the the roster did get better for the fact that the locker room, the distraction, kind of the noise around CJ Gardner-Johnson, the problem maybe he was creating because it, it definitely seemed all of a sudden to happen really rapidly with the Eagles. Like, all the, you know, the, the trade went down and he was out of here. We had heard so, a little bit of chirping at practice uh, when he, he was holding in. He wasn't even, part t- you know, taking part in, in most of the drills going on. And so I just got to think it became more and more of a, a locker room issue than anything for this team. No, yeah, and that's why you ultimately had to trade him. That's the thing. Like, I saw people saying, well, they should have just kept him around and played out that year, and then maybe if he leaves, you get a comp pick. I think it was beyond that. I think it was beyond saying, no, CJ, you're under contract for a year. Because, again, we know what we know about CJ. What makes fans love him is he's he's a nuisance. He's an agitator, right? And when that's pointed outward, it's great. It makes your team better. When that's directed inward, that's a problem, right? It's a problem when Michael Thomas is punching him in the face in practice, right? That's a problem. (laughs) And, you know, some players, I think you could probably find a way to massage that and figure out how to to make it work, right? Marcus Williams played on a franchise tag, and he didn't seem to, at least not openly, dislike what was happening with him uh, in terms of that contract. But I'm sure he didn't like it. He wanted to go get a deal, and he couldn't get it. So there are, you know, in certain cases, I think you can manage it. In this case, I don't think you could have. I think CJ is just too big of a personality. He's too, he's too bombastic, right? He's too explosive as a personality to trust that he would not have torn that locker room to shreds 
because you know that, you know, whether he would have or not, right, you know that he has the ability to, to leave that rocker room in shambles, right? He is a mental ninja, and he can subvert anything that you're trying to do if he wants to. And I think that got to the point where the Saints felt like he might want to, <laughs> you know? And, and that, that's the point where you just have to pull the trigger. And they wanted to do it before the cutdown so they could save a roster spot, and that makes sense. But I think the return you got and the fact that you traded him to an NFC rival that you are playing this year tells you that there was not, you know, that you, you did not have leverage and you did not have a huge market for him. So if there was even the slightest idea that, okay, we're just going to hold on to him, you would have done it. And they didn't. So, yeah, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, not only playing the Eagles, but definitely a team you could be jostling for for a wild card spot with. Right. Um, it's It was definitely odd to me. I would definitely uh, think you would try to ship him over to the AFC, and it's just wild to think that no other team was willing to pony up so little for a guy like Gardner Johnson is because of probably his contract demands and what he's looking for. Uh, are the Eagles going to really pay him top corner, top slot corner or top safety money? You know, the reports are that they're going to move him more to the safety position instead of being in that nickel role. Well, I think it's just because by the time you got to the point where you were trading him, other teams were well aware of the situation. They're aware of, of why you're trading him and the fact that he's going to want that big deal and blah, blah, blah. And that really limits, A, who you can trade with and B, who would be interested in trading with you. I think there was also a time constraint element because I don't think this was a conversation that had been going on all offseason. Otherwise, again... You made a big trade with the Eagles in the offseason, not that long ago. If he was on the table then and the Eagles had interest then, that I think it would have been worked in then. I just see this as a really, I don't know, it's its not a good look, and I don't think it's going to ruin the season. I don't think it's going to make this defense that much less formidable. But you didn't get better, right? This isn't a trade that you can say you got better at. You know, maybe you strike gold with that fifth-round pick. But like a sixth-round pick? You just cut your six-round picks from this season. Jordan Jackson right. just got cut yesterday. So you can't say that this is about picking up assets. CJ was a fourth-round pick, and you hit gold on that. That's rare. Just adding a fifth-round pick is not anywhere near the value that you that you can argue like this was a good move. This was a move that had to happen. I had someone say, well, if it had to happen, then it's a good thing. And I said, well, if I drive my car into a lake... I'm not riding my bike to work thinking, well, at least I don't have to buy gas anymore. You know, that had to, I had to ride my bike to work, but it wasn't a good thing. It was a necessity. And I think, you know, while that metaphor has some holes in it, <laughs> just like my, uh, my, my metaphorical car, um, it's not a good thing. I actually had one good response. It was like, yeah, but what if the car was on fire and that's why you drove into the lake? And I was like, touche, that's good. Um, right. But yeah, you can look at, yeah, CJ was kind of a guy on fire um right now and I, I can only imagine what the you know the Saints coaching staff and players had to deal with with him in the days where he was you know he was present for practices but he was still not taking part so it was still in he was still being a problem he was still an issue yeah. 
Um, and we didn't we didn't get to talk to him at all during training camp. I mean, another one though is Alvin Kamara was was one we haven't talked to either in forever. But with Gardner Johnson, it's just yeah, the the fiery personality is can only can only be good for as long as he's happy in his surroundings. And when it when he becomes a malcontent, then it becomes an issue for everybody. He's been a big part of what we've done here. Um, I love the player. Um, you know, and, and these moves are not easy, um, but it was something that we felt like was, you know, going to be a good move for us. And that was Dennis Allen kind of reacting to it. And yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear when you listen to the people talk, they didn't want to trade him, right? Like, I think the team, I've seen a whole lot of, a lot of stuff smeared on Twitter about, oh, well, the team must not have liked him because they didn't, they didn't vouch for him after he was traded and blah, blah, blah. This, he was a valued member of this team. His teammates liked him. They wanted to keep him around. It was not a situation where they're glad to see him gone. You know, he's a friend to these guys. Like, they're, they, they go to war together. Like, that's how it works. They're bonded in that way. And, like, this is not a scenario where everyone's like, well, thank gosh, he's, they, he's not in the room anymore. Great. No, oh, they, that guy's they know not, the right. deal. They understand. And I, I think Demario Davis had a really good kind of explanation for, for how this all kind of broke down. And, uh, and I, like, it's a long answer, but I think it's worth listening to. So uh, here it is. The game is easy. The game is the game. It's the next man up business, it's the NFL. And so you lose good players all the time. I mean, some some Hall of Fame players were on a team and then they weren't. And so how do you replace a boy like that? We've had to do that here at quarterback, losing, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, so the game goes on. That's 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 the easy part. The life part is what's challenging. You know, is you know, you, you develop great relationships with individuals and, and they're close to you. Um, and, and I guess the fortunate part of it is life is that they're just moving to a different location. Um, but just not being able to see that person every day, uh, being able to laugh and hang out and, and chat with somebody that was a comrade that was right beside you. So uh, I think <laughs> those emotions don't go away. Imagine being in, in, in high school and having your buddies and then your parents come tell you that you're moving and now you have to go. Right. And, uh, you know, you experience that on both sides. You, 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 the kids experience the hurt because they're not able to go hang with their friends. That's the first thing they think about. Uh, and then the parents have to deal with the dynamics of moving, getting adjusted. And that's what players and families have to go through that no one sees. Everybody sees the game, but they don't see what's going on in life behind that. Like you have to sell your house. You have to move your stuff. You have to find new, new schools for your kids. You have to build new relationships. And so to everything, every dynamic that someone else has going on in life, that's what we have, we have going on. And so the game is easy. It's the, it's the life part that's, that's challenging. Demario yeah, so, is so good. <clears throat> he is. And for context, I had asked him, like, what, you know, how do you go about replacing kind of that distinct voice in the locker room? And he basically said, yeah, it's not that hard. It's, you know, <laughs> it was a long answer. He was looking directly at me the whole time. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that is easy to overlook. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the, the, the action on the field and, you know, how it affects us, who's going to take over. It's going to be Bradley Roby or Justin Evans or PJ Williams or whatever. But, you know, these guys, there's more to it than that for them. And there's like an emotional element. We saw that with the Pelicans last year when they traded Josh Hart and Nikhil Alexander-Walker yeah. and like, these are bonded people. These aren't just guys who show up and play basketball together. These are friends. These are colleagues. These are people who 
go through like serious trials and tribulations together. And when guys get sent out of town, it's an emotional thing. Um, and so I don't think that, you know, there's this idea that like, oh, the Saints are just going to be happy that they don't have to deal with them anymore. And that's not true. I don't think that's true at all. What's interesting, um, too, is really two huge alpha personalities, one C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another one in Quan Alexander, no longer on this, this defense, part of the Juice Boys. And they were definitely two guys that brought the juice all the time. It's an interesting story. I'll tell you another one. C.J. is going to have a friend out in uh, Philadelphia now because Ian Book <laughs> got claimed by the Eagles, who, you know, it's like, are they just trolling the Saints at this point? Why? Why did they claim him? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe they were like, "Well, we already have an inside, uh, an inside guy on the defense. Now let's get an inside on the offense, and we get Ian Book in there." I don't know. Maybe they see something in Ian Book that, you know, maybe I don't. But yeah, I think it was that's a, a great, odd I think that's a great point. Getting some insight on the on the offense as as much as folks talk about, oh no, it really doesn't matter. Everybody has the same plays, and you know, the, it's just different terminology, other places, but. Getting a little bit inside on this on this Saints team from Ian Book, I I think is a huge one, and I think a, a great. Well, yeah, one he, right he knows all the terminology. That's another thing. Like, exactly you can, right. You're gonna have to change that terminology when you play the Eagles. Although it's Week 17, that's the thing. If they're playing in like Week Four, you know, maybe that would be if, a thing. Book week 17 still there by then, right? There's the odds that he's still on the roster by Week 17 are probably slim. But like, and also like, you know the odds that the Saints offense is running the same way as it was in week one by week 17, it's pretty slim too. So who knows? But I know I thought that was interesting. The Saints only made one waiver claim and that was Tanner Owen, you know, another entry in the two first name hall of fame. Uh, Cause I thought when I first read, it, I thought it was Owen Tanner, but he's not as Tanner Owen, just like Cam Jordan and, Cam- and Jordan Cameron, you know, it's like one of those. Um, but yeah, so that's an offensive tackle and it'll be interesting to see. They have to keep him on the roster now. So they must believe he can be kind of that depth behind James Hurst. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Lewis Kidd, who was the only UDFA kept on the roster. Um, but that's going to be the only one. And then beyond that, no other Saints player was claimed. So guys like Dejan Dixon, Kirk Merritt, blah, blah, blah. They can all get to the practice squad. We'll get through a little bit of that um, later on. But yeah, so I think we kind of had established the idea that like, while teams while they're, the Saints really like guys like Kirk Merritt, Dejon Dixon, Rashid Tahid, Abram Smith, you know, other teams aren't going to be falling over themselves to claim these guys because that's a commitment, right? And so um, that's what we're going to see. But we're also going to see the Saints revert a few guys to IR. I think we've already seen one in Malcolm Roach. I expect we'll see Trevor Penning going to IR and maybe Trayvon Smith. So that'll free up some roster spots, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of get to that in the next segment. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and stick around on Inside Black and Gold.